0: Check, microphone checks. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. All right. All right. <sighs> Welcome back to For Finnside Podcast, everybody. My name is Ryan Ocilla, and I'm going to fucking
1: kill myself. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Chris Lucky. <laughs>
0: yes. And he might have to clean up the mess. Uh, yeah. first, the software crashed. Mm-hmm. We lost our recording. Mm-hmm. So if we sound a little bit less disillusioned, yeah. uh, you know, just technical difficulties. It fucking happens. All right. Um that's a huge bummer. Yeah. Anyway. Ketchup.
1: The ketchup. The mustard. <laughs> the condiments. Everything in the between. mayonnaise. Yeah. Uh we seen the Broly movie this weekend.
0: We did see the Broly movie.
1: That it movie pretty is pretty awesome.
0: It is absolutely fantastic. Yes. It's uh <laughs> So we're gonna
1: have this conversation <laughs> over again and you're gonna pretend like we didn't <laughs> that's what we're gonna do we're gonna have this whole conversation I'm gonna say the same things I already did and you're gonna pretend like I just came up with that on the spot <laughs> and now I'm gonna do the same for you <laughs> now let's go
0: <laughs> my boys my boy Broly got wa- my boy Broly washed the shit out of Goku and Vegeta you know he, he washed Freeza too he washed the shit out of Freeza too <laughs> yes he did and...
1: God fucking damn it! <laughs> yes, he did. Watch <laughs> he watched Freeza, and he watched him. He watched them all, man. <laughs> Dragon Ball Broly. So
0: I've been a fan of the series since I was like maybe seven or eight years mm-hmm. old. Yeah, since the original moment that Goku became a Super Saiyan, that's when I started watching the series. Nice. And I absolutely love that this franchise is still alive. When yeah. I'm maybe being twenty three, I'm about to be twenty four. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fucking amazing that it's lasted this long, mm-hmm. and that Akira Toriyama knows exactly what
1: the fan wants in a film. Man, after, after seeing this movie, I immediately went home to like Google to see how old he is. Yeah. 65 years old Akira is. So that That's means cool. that we have like at least 10 years of getting more you know, stuff from him. But like uh, the weight that we had from Dragon Ball to mm-hmm. Dragon Ball uh, Z to the god-awful Dragon Ball GT that we're not going to talk about.
0: Yes, and, which I, feel, I, I think is a very fun, mm-hmm. very fun Dragon Ball franchise series. Yeah. But not the greatest. Not the greatest. Not but the
1: greatest. then we got Dragon Ball Super that put it right back on track. You know, that was exactly what so we we're, were looking for. Is shit. It is. Yeah. You know, so if, like, if in the next 10 years, we might be able to get at least two more series out, out of Akira. Got, I
0: think we can get 20 out of Akita. You think so? 20, 20 years. Hell yeah. yeah. Before he retires, mm-hmm. maybe 15.
1: Because they, they still know. have, you said, I believe they said the, the manga is like two.
0: Yeah, the manga's like two arcs. I think it's two arcs ahead. Yeah. I haven't read the manga yet, but mm-hmm. they did the whole brawly thing in the manga, I reckon. I don't even know if that came out in the manga, but now they're, they're in a new arc. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're in Namek again, fighting mm. some weird, wrinkly-looking dude. Mm. And uh, Vegeta's the shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love the I love the super... My, my favorite part about the movie is, like, they brought back this aggressive transformation sequence yeah, again. Did. Yeah, Uh Which is, like, it shows when su- Goku when Super Saiyan just to show off yeah. for no apparent reason. Yep. The little vein popped up <laughs> in Yep. And just, ah! It is, I loved it. Yeah. I really do love it. And, like, when he was fighting against Broly... Which, for some reason, he decided to fight him in base form yes. to begin with. Mm-hmm. Just whatever. But then he went Super Saiyan God Blue. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence is yeah. fucking phenomenal.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I just loved it.
1: That's what I want to know. Like, how in the yeah. hell, like, you just seen Vegeta fight Frieza. <laughs> for that whole sequence, Vegeta gave everything that he had. And then Goku was like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to fight you in normal form. <laughs> yeah. You just now seeing your boy get washed all the way out <laughs> in his full form. Like, what are you going to do right here?
0: And Vegeta went like Super Saiyan God too, you did. for the first time. It was awesome to watch. Yep. Then he went, he went super, like he didn't go Super Saiyan blue, but he went it all the way with a Super Saiyan guy. He did. And you're gonna go at him base form? Base form come on Goku
1: and, and like I'm saying yeah. at some point Vegeta's gonna have to be tired of being the appetizer here yeah. just throw Vegeta out here let him get washed up real good and then you could bring in Goku for the main course you know at some point you know Vegeta's gonna have to step his game up a little bit
0: Vegeta's gonna like be like I'm the main course today Kakarot
1: yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then like the the, the like the hilarity of the script you know like Akira's <laughs> giving us what we want like with the, the funniness of it because it was silly you know with Bomo the reason she wanted the Dragon Balls and the reason that Frieza wanted the Dragon Balls you know <laughs> just silly. to be five years younger five years younger why not ten years <laughs> younger
0: <laughs> <laughs> ten years will be too much it so be too big, much it's a little nuance to it you yeah. know five years mm-hmm. so that nobody asks you who's your
1: surgeon yeah uh, and, and then Freeze the same thing. It was like, hey, you know, just, just five centimeters taller. Just five centimeters. And he was like, well, you know, why don't you just go into your final form and you'll be a lot bigger in your final form if you just. it's like, no, that's not what I want. I want it to look like I'm still growing. When <laughs> people see me, he's still growing. <laughs> that's why he needs the Dragon Balls.
0: <laughs> Fucking Toriyama knows what we want. We just want a reason to see big beefy boys fight. Yeah, and that's exactly what he gave us. Yep. It's just a premise to get into the icy world mm-hmm. and then just start beating some ass. Yeah, and uh, Broly absolutely like whiplash Goku all around. Sure did. It's one of my favorite fight sequences, by the way. And Brawly's just beating the shit out of Goku. Yeah, and uh, apparently Frieza's a really good actor too. Yeah, uh, he well he killed the dad and it's just like oh oh, you know what oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Broly fucking rage style. Yeah. Such a silly moment to lead into such a heavy thing.
1: I love the um the uh, the little cuts where um they're trying to do the fusion technique. Yeah, and it was like, oh, they, they got it wrong the first time. It was like, hey, Piccolo it was like, hey, well, you gotta wait 30 minutes, yeah. you know, because it takes 30 minutes to do it again. So then we cut to what is doing, and he's getting pummeled. <laughs> pummeled for by Broly for, for those first 30 minutes. And then it was like, oh, we're back. Now let's try to do this again. Up <laughs> oh, they fucked it up again. Cut back to Frieza. Here's another 30 minutes of him getting pummeled. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, let's try the fusion again oh we got it right frieza's still getting that ass waxed <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely he even went gold yeah. could not handle it <laughs> couldn't do anything about it, it. frieza god wash. yes awesome oh yeah <laughs> absolutely love the brother movie mm-hmm. uh, i'm really really like looking forward to buying that on blu-ray that's yeah. absolutely a blu-ray buy there's something
1: there's something we didn't do you got to turn yes. me down on this one. oh
0: yes i forgot mm-hmm. to turn you down yes but i did that before we lose the footage
1: so all right make sure yeah, we're good. We're All good. Right, I did cool. that before we lost the footage. All right, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool.
0: It's uh, it's on the mixer, not on the on the thing. No,
1: I was just looking at the waveforms. I'm like, I'm so much louder than you were I was so before. Much more louder. Yeah.
0: Like we're also laughing a lot more. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true because
1: of what happened. Yeah. Got Oh, but on the way back from us uh, seeing the Broly yeah. movie, got hit by like a 19 year old guy you or did. whatever. You know, so, like, we're coming back on the way to Target, right up the road, and I'm going through the light, and the guy's about to make a right on red. Instead of staying in the far right lane, he Mm -hmm. comes all the way over to the left lane and just swipes the shit out of us, runs us over into, like, the median, like, this little cement median over there. I I park the car and just sit there. You know, after about two or three minutes, I I called called 911 immediately, told them what was going on, Mm -hmm. and the guy gets out of his car, and he's like, um... Hey, uh, hey, hey, my guy, uh, you guys doing all right? What a dick. Hey, like, my guy. My Fuck guy. Here. I was like, oh, my guy. And, I, and I'm like avoiding eye contact because I, I know what this is about to be. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, are you doing all right? You all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. Then he's like, uh, you know, if there's any way we could like not get insurance involved because, you know, my car didn't take much damage and your car didn't look like it took much damage. And I'm just like, no, there's not a way, Dude. you know, because number one, we're not in my car, we're in my girlfriend's car. Right. And number two, I'm looking at the side view mirror, which is completely demolished, you know, <laughs> and I don't know what kind of pain is on the other side. Right. So I'm like, nah, not gonna happen. So he just stands there beside the car for like what well, seems like two or three minutes, not saying anything, just standing there. Just, just
0: thinking, know,
1: I guess. Like whatever. so he eventually just goes back to his car, gets there. He um but but the, the whole situation took like three hours. Three hours, and we find out the, um, the the police he's like he takes our license, and everything, runs everything. Then it was like, oh, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. You know, the uh, the DMV has been taking a lot longer over the past month with the government shutdown. And I'm just like, this is the first time I've thought about this orange cocksucker in at least at least six months. And and, and there, you
0: it's know fucking government shutdown, man.
1: You know, and and I hate I hate that I even say that because there's nothing wrong with sucking cock. I said that like it's a bad thing. Yeah, this, no. this orange piece of shit. That <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. like that amendment. Yes, yeah. you know, it's like there's this orange piece of shit. It's like I'm I'm, t- I'm tired of it. I'm tired of like government shutdown is affecting my life. It took three hours out of my mm-hmm. life, and I just came home from seeing the Bro- Broly movie. Man. So do you know how much it took for me not to go full just? <laughs> just <gasps> <laughs> because after you get like that kind of energy from seeing him it's something that like that child in you believes that if that you, you just can go super you can, yeah, you absolutely can. <laughs> yep. if you harness your your anger or your energy up enough you can do it and super showed you how to do it you have to feel it in your chest <laughs> yes
0: and then your back in you feel back, like the tingling yeah. in your back yeah and then you can just like fucking do it yep. and just calm the house into a new car yeah
1: well that's that but um yeah You have you seen anything right now uh well no, because I've been
0: sick and dying. Mm. Uh, so I spent most of the weekend doing that. Um, but on the way here, talking about car problems, mm. my fucking car also started to overheat. What the fuck? So I have to deal with that. Mm. Um, I It's just, it's annoying. I started smoking the whole bit. I yeah. had to pull over on the side of the road. Mm. Thought I was going to be late for recording. Egh. It was a whole bit. That's um, nice. But I haven't, I got really ill the last weekend. So I just worked, try not to die mm. and uh, just watched the podcast movie. Mm. And then uh, that's about it. But on the good news on the internet, H Bomber guy, shout out to him, okay. has raised three hundred thousand dollars.
1: H Bomber guy, who's that?
0: H Bomber, he's a YouTuber that does video essays, mm. uh, just a general smart guy on YouTube. He talks about flat earthers and like mm. other people that make videos on the alt right, and yeah. then sort of like pickup artists and misogynists and all of that. Okay. he does measured responses to other thinkers mm. on YouTube, quote unquote thinkers, yeah. quote unquote thinkers, okay. yeah. Uh, so he's a really smart dude, and yes. he did, uh, in his video for Flat Earthers, he announced his charity stream mm-hmm. where he was going to beat Donkey Kong in one sitting, Donkey Kong 64. Oh, nice. In one sitting. Okay. And uh, it didn't it, like it was going to be fine. He was going to raise some money. Yeah. But then some dude named Graham Lennon uh, started tweeting about... Um, just shit about being transgender and started spreading misinformation and calling transgender dysphoria not a real thing, mm. and just essentially being a shitty human being to transgender people, being a bigot. And Age uh, Bomber guy overtook his platform, and essentially turned his hate into what turned out to be a huge amount of money for Mermaids mm. UK, nice uh, in which is a transgender uh, charity yeah. that helps with all the issues that they have to deal with. Okay um and so it was fucking amazing i think he did it in like 24 hours
1: that's That's i mean that's awesome i mean like two hundred thousand dollars towards you know a good cause and Mm -hmm. i'm loving that but i need to find out if i can all the way love this story did he complete donkey kong (laughs) 64 in 24 hours yes he did he absolutely did this is the first time we've ever had this conversation (laughs) i'm not gonna hear anything else about it this is brand new material (laughs) i gotta say man your
0: recall for conversation that we've never had before is amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this guy, Graham Lennon, uh, used to be like an actor in the UK. Yeah. And then he, I guess he just turned bigot and started tweeting about it. And Bomber yeah. guy responded to him. And then just started being arrogant and angry at Bomber guy. And yeah. Bomber guy just went like, all right, fine. I'll lose your fucking platform against you. Nice. And so like his, HBomber guy's following uh, did a huge amount of the fundraising. But a lot of the people that came from seeing the dilemma developed from Graham Lennon Mm -hmm. also did an amazing thing. And there were like celebrity transgender people that popped by in the stream talking to, uh, talking to the chat uh, no. Alejandra Ocasio-Cortez the new congresswoman that just got elected okay. she popped up into the stream and started talking about it nice um, the Scottish I think there's a, the Scottish government is congratulating him and giving him like official recognition from the for doing the Mermaids UK thing nice um, so super amazing cool thing that he did I absolutely love him for it I, like, I really love this content yeah but just knowing that he spends so much time and so much effort and so much energy to help a charity like this. It's yeah. really fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Especially when it came after the possible pot passing of a law mm-hmm. that uh, would take away a lot of the help and aid that transgender individuals have currently in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a response to that. Yeah. And uh, I think it's absolutely genius. That, that is. That,
1: yeah. That's pretty awesome. I mean, just to, to segue about um, what I was watching something uh, this weekend, we went up to the mountains, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Versace crime story uh, the killing of Versace. That's right. And it was along the lines. It was about about a serial killer and the people that he killed along the line before he got to Versace, six other people he killed before that. And I liked the the show at first, but um, it was going with the um, the idea that. And you, you seen? Have you seen the, um, the you? Did you see all of you? Have you finished that yet? <laughs> I've not. Okay, yeah. I'm with, uh, not well, you know, my problem with uh, with you, I was like, how do you kill this many people in a small location and get away with it? You know, it just seemed a little far fetched. You know, right. Yeah. But then I was watching this. You know, you was you know fiction, but um, but this right here is based on a true story. You know, Versace story. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how are you killing all of these people within a small location and not being caught? You know. And the uh, the reason it was, it was like because he was only targeting other gay men.
0: Which are not investigative cases.
1: And they're not investigating those cases at all. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was like, whoa, you know, but. um, but Was this in the 80s? Oh, this is from the 80s to the 90s. No, yeah, definitely
0: not investigated. Not,
1: not at all. No. And um, until he got to Versace, and that's when he eventually got caught. It mm-hmm. was like way too big of a name, you know, but um, they said that he killed he killed uh, Versace because of self-hate in, in the, uh, the gay community, supposedly. But um, what I was upset about was um, there's a scene to where the killer of Versace is being raped and molested by his father mm-hmm. as a young child. And then supposedly that's what drove him to becoming a gay male and then where his life took him after that and i was just upset about just how agenda driven the writing was it's like with a documentary like you have all the information there for you right you don't have to create this narrative of why he became this that this you know, person yeah yeah and
0: especially using something like uh sexual abuse yeah to do that because it's creating the narrative that like gay people are born out of trauma because and, uh, of that yeah, exactly. sexual trauma in yeah. particular and i think it's a really harmful narrative too Same. even yep. like it's a harmful narrative in general, but a harmful narrative to put out in 2018. Eight, yes. Like, it's it's really like you should have known better yeah. at that point. Yeah. Uh, it, may, it, may, it, it makes you question the entire, like... The whole series. Yeah, yeah the, me, the accuracy me too. of the documentary. Me too. Yep. Uh, that's, uh, that's actually a huge problem that I have with true crime. Mm. Often, a lot of the documentaries are biased when yep. they want to, like... I don't want to say, like, glorify, but they want to, like, like, target the thing that made a person into a serial killer mm. and a lot of times that presents a more harmful narrative than people than the think truth. they do Yeah. because there's not a thing that makes you a serial killer no. there's a it's a huge complexities yep. and uh doing that is harmful to everybody they wow. did it a lot especially with the Jeffrey Dahmer case So there's a lot to talk about his sexuality
1: there's a Netflix uh, story about Jeffrey Dahmer coming out pretty soon
0: do you think it's gonna be good?
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't I think it's gonna get a lot of attention I don't know about good or not but people yeah.
0: fucking love talking about Dahmer definitely happened in the goddamn 70s yeah. people still haven't let it go yeah um but i don't think i think that's the case with yeah. everything even mind hunter is proof of that
1: true oh, yeah. um, the uh only other thing i've seen was a show called uh friends from college yeah it's a uh mr decent show it's on netflix give it like a b minus something to watch on like a sunday or a saturday right you know not terrible but um fred savage is in it and uh michael key the other half of a uh, key and Peel, yeah. he's in it so
0: good yeah, yeah. b minus yeah I like a b
1: minus mm-hmm. it's, it's not bad
0: sweet um, the key and Peel start again. I noticed they had new skids.:
1: No, nah, um, I don't believe. I, yeah. I, don't, no, I don't think I'm so though.
0: Whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of all I got. So I didn't really watch anything else because I was dying. Yeah. Um, so we're going to cut, and then we're going to talk about uh, raising Arizona. Hey, hey Welcome back. Raising Arizona.
1: Hey, uh, Raising Arizona is a PG-13 movie that came out in 1987, listed as a comedy crime movie with a runtime of one hour and 34 minutes. Uh, it's written and directed by the Corn Brothers.
0: Uh, it's actually uh, written by Ethan Cohen and directed by Joe. Cohen.
1: There we go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Corn Brothers, but are written by Ethan and directed by, um, by <laughs> Joel. Joel. <They're> Corn Brothers. <laughs> it, uh, it stars Nicolas Cage, Holly Hunter, Trey Wilson, John Goodman, and Francis McDormand.
0: And John Goodman has apparently worked for the Cohen Brothers since he was five.
1: Yeah, he's been in there forever. Yeah. And I, I'm very surprised to see Francis McDormand in there. Yeah, yeah? same. Yeah, very same. surprised. But, uh, the, uh, <laughs> 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 you took one of my lines, I took one of yours. <laughs> Yeah, the rundown. This uh, is how we get through it. (laughs) (laughs) A rundown. A a fast-paced farce about an unlikely pair who go to extreme lengths to have a child. When an incompetent robber marries a policewoman, they discover that they are infertile. In order to appease his wife longing for a child, the man steals one set of quintuplets, but mayhem ensues when the child's rich father sends a rabbit-shooting bounty hunter after the kidnapper.
0: All right. All right. So... I think this movie is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's uh, it's campy yeah. and it's like it, it exemplifies how to do comedy, yeah. but still have very serious story moments that push your story forward. Very much, but still maintaining that comedy throughout the entire thing. And I think it's a test. Like the Coen Brothers are really good at that in oh, general. Yeah. Oh yeah, Um They're always witty. Like they're the masters of wit. Yeah, I think, and like this movie is particularly witty it I is think. the way that characters talk mm. like even the narration when they're introducing Nicolas Cage yeah. it's like really witty yeah he's giving us his backstory he knows what he is he's aware of everything mm-hmm. he's talking about Ed it's, yeah. it's just like it's like super, super, super witty movie. It is. It's, it, it really has that Coen Brothers charm. Definitely. And I watched this without knowing that it was Ethan and Joel Coen working on it. Yeah. And I think that made the movie a lot better. Because I, while watching the movie, I was wondering, I was just like, I don't know who the fuck made this. Like, this is really funny. Yeah. And then I got to the credit. I was just like, oh, that makes sense. Mm. Um, but it's a style of filmmaking from them that I haven't seen before. Because yeah. they really don't utilize the style of comedy that they used in this in movie. This yeah. Um, in other movies, at least like cinematography wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, um, I, like this is, I, I, I may have watched this when I was a kid, but I can't remember seeing it since then. But I had to watch this movie three times. And it wasn't until my third time watching the movie that at least I had something to come away from it mm-hmm. with. But I didn't enjoy this movie a lot, but I got some things to talk about it. You know, some nice. things to talk about. Um, it made me think about another Corn Brothers movie. You know, I'm all on the Corn Brothers, all on the dick, love their shit. Yeah. You know, but it made me think of another Corn Brothers movie, um, Eraser Head. <laughs> racer head yeah it um yeah because um you know the um the comparison i'm having is just an eraser head and why are you looking at me like that <laughs> i think you mean <laughs> <laughs> you know because i fucked up last time yeah. i think i might as well keep you it to fuck up now.
0: again <laughs> uh, uh, i think you mean david lynch david lynch
1: <laughs> there we go, david lynch <laughs> So, no, David oh yeah that is David Lynch but um the comparison that I was um, that I wanted to make was that um in the in the racer head is just him dealing with um becoming an adult and dealing with a child and dealing with um, his marriage mm-hmm. and a woman and just leaving a part of his life behind and dealing with the anxiety of this new pressure of adulthood and not knowing if he's ready for it right and um, the parallel I seen was um, in this with the corn brothers is about Nicholas Cage trying to separate himself from his past and his jailbird friends this this um, this dread that's coming back to haunt him in a um a uh, personification of you know what was he like a mad max character you yeah, know following him around max. yeah in his drinking
0: throwing he- grenades at bunnies and <laughs> shooting <laughs> yeah. fucking lizards yeah
1: just uh, trying to trying to uh, escape that and uh dealing with dealing with his wife and this new baby and but but in in a, in a comedy style instead of a horror style right you know but um i definitely can see how the corn brothers were trying to to just show us what nicholas cage was going through you know
0: yeah but, Um, That's actually okay. So talking about like the plot, that's actually my favorite thing about the story. Mm. I also don't think this is a particularly amazing film. Mm. Like I enjoyed watching it, but I wouldn't call it like even like a particularly good Coen Brothers film. You know? Okay. Um, But what I really did like about the movie is like the story definitely has its dramatic points Mm. where like this is going to push the story forward, but then it's it's sort of um, divided into the bits. That will make you laugh, and mm. the bits that will carry the story across, yeah. and like oftentimes, I, I critique movies on how those things don't merge. Mm. But in this movie, I think the fact that they didn't merge works very well for the story itself because mm. we have such a a campy style of comedy. Yeah, it's almost like cartoony. It's like a slapstick style of comedy.
1: Very cartoony. Yeah.
0: Um, so I feel like if that would have blended with the dramatic moments, it would have undermined the, dr- the drama. Mm. Uh, and if like the drama would have overtaken that cartoony style as well so i'm glad that they divided it in the structure because yeah. i think it i think it makes a lot of sense and it also makes a lot of sense that the sort of slapstick tone that they go for mm-hmm. in the in the comedy is usually when their action sequences are happening yeah and those sequences are themselves a break from the thematics of the film mm. and and so like you get like a like a palate cleanser and then yeah. you go like okay n- n- now let's talk about the baby again because mm-hmm. that's when it's important. Uh, so structure-wise and script-wise, I think that's a uh, fucking fantastic.
1: There was a um, I was looking at a uh, an interview from uh, Simon Pegg and he's talking mm-hmm. about how he how much he loved uh, raising Arizona because right. of what they're doing with the camera. And a lot of American films, you just see a static camera put people in front of them, and the di- let the dialogue drive the comedy. Yep. You know, but um, things we're seeing, I had to look up a- Edgar Wright. So um, yeah. things we've seen from Edgar Wright in his films, and um, Simon Pegg has been a part of a lot of that. That the uh, comedy is driven by the camera. You know, not so much by the dialogue and about the action that's happening and you see that a lot in this Corn Brothers movie and how Edgar Wright I'm sure took a little piece you know from the Corn Brothers as far as their directorial style with that yeah absolutely now um, now the comedy didn't land with me but as far as execution is done on the money right. and um, immediately on I knew what kind of movie they were going for when um, Nicolas Cage is in the room with the five kids you know <laughs> Quintuplets is just a comedy waiting to happen anyway yeah. but he's pulling one kid out one by one and then it's like, oh shit, one kid ran under the under the bed, <laughs> another one fell off the couch. You just kind of know what kind of thing you're it's getting like yourself into. It's yeah. like chaotic.
0: You're like stressed out. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, something's going to happen. Yeah. Like it.
1: yeah, it's like a... Yeah, it's very cartoony. And the, mm-hmm. even the way they're using the camera is when he's cl- crawling up under the bed, then you're up mm-hmm. under the bed with him and just seeing those things like that. But... um. It's, as far as execution for a comedy, like it's hard. You can't really take much away from the execution of how they delivered this comedy. Yeah. Even if you, it might not be your brand of funny. Mm-hmm. You know, they delivered it a one.
0: Yeah, even even if it if it didn't land on you, mm. I think you have to acknowledge how because when you when you set up a, t- a tone as drastic as you set it up in this movie, mm. you're doing that on purpose. There's no oh, yeah. way to do that accidentally. No. And uh, if you're achieving that, then that's a good that's a good execution of something. Yeah. And you got to give him credit for that, even if it's not your type of funny.
1: There was, there was that um, that scene where um, John Goodman, who's, what, how many movies is this now? Um, Big Lebowski, this Bart movie, Fang. Barton Fink, and probably that damn Hell Season movie. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> he's been in a lot of them. But the first time we see him is his head bursting out of mud and just going like screaming like he's going Super Saiyan. And, ah, ah, for like 34 seconds, he finally pulls himself out of the mud, screaming the entire time, like full commies, comedy screaming. <laughs> and then he reaches back into the muck and starts to pull up his friend by his by, the, by leg. the leg with one hand one <laughs> hand he's pulling against the resistance of the mud and his body weight pulling him up <gasps> and then the guy out. starts screaming too <laughs>
0: like he's birthing him from the mud <laughs> it's like what's happening you know John Goodman is a beefy boy yeah he, is. he definitely is. <laughs> yeah i feel like that's like the moment that that happened i was i was convinced that i knew what kind of movie i was i was watching yeah cuz like the the beginning of the movie up until that point it could be anything. Like, they have yeah. some slapstick moments with the baby and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't really do anything drastic up until John Goodman and 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 that other guy. Yeah, that the other guy, guy was name. just a guy yeah. to be beside John Goodman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, until they come out of the mud and they started being in the film, then yeah. I realized, like, oh, okay, this is, like, the, the Coen brothers having a bit of fun mm-hmm. um, with it. And I love those characters interacting with Nicolas Cage because yeah. it's literally... The Nicolas Cage's past Mm -hmm. coming back to haunt his consequences of the future and his family, and yada yada yada. And in a situation where Nicolas Cage is already being haunted by the fact that he has stolen a baby, Mm -hmm. uh, that he is in fact not ready to take care of this baby, yeah, and then by all of the pressure of like Frances McDormand's character and Mm -hmm. and her husband. being the perfect the perfect quote unquote white american family. Yeah. Um which I thought like they were really the Coimbros were really taking the piss out of like the concept of like the american dream mm-hmm. with these guys because they looked fucking miserable, they had like seven kids that were uncontrollable. Yep. Yep. The racist bad jokes yep. and everything. Like yep. it was fucking I I loved that entire sequence and I was stressed out for Nicholas Cage. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah. <It's just> like <laughs> I mean, like they, there was a scene where uh, where Dot, you know, Francis McDormand's mm-hmm. character is just um, ushering that idea in of how terrified he is of transitioning into this new lifestyle. She's like, um, "Have you got the insurance squared away?" She's like, uh, "Have we done that yet, honey? We got to do that, honey. Hey, you got to get on on that, H.I." He yeah, was like, "But um, they're just telling him like all these different things. Like, you got to get these shots. You got to get ready for university. Insurance. You got to get a life insurance. What happens if you get your brain splattered all over the interstate? Yep. What you gonna do then? <laughs> you know, just getting him ready for all of that. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have, can really See
0: Nicholas Cage in that scene too, just like having increasingly dead eyes, <laughs>
1: yes. and he says nothing in that yeah. entire scene. They ask him question after question, he says nothing, yeah. and he's getting jello pelted at him from some baby over that's all out of the shot <laughs> the entire time. Kill showing, myself, yeah, just showing him like what he's trying to deal with. And another scene where he's sitting there with his two friends, the convicts are there, and then um, it was like, you know, I don't want to tell you how to run your business, but um, it don't look like y'all are exactly the perfect match. You know, she needs like a button-up type. <laughs> you know, and just like Sean it's just like, and she's not. You know, she used to be a police officer, but she mm-hmm. she's done with that. She's broken into the uh, the kidnapping game, right. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> whatever else she's going to do with her life. So she's not on the straight and narrow. But just her, the um, like I said, the parallel of trying to get your your shit together and live the straight and narrow, mm-hmm. and saying that this wild woman, his um Ed, needs someone who's more buttoned up that can work a nine to five, straight and narrow kind of guy. Is do you see that parallel in real life? Of okay, I actually have to get some form of job or have to have some form of responsibility and not just do whatever the hell i want you know my entire life but um i I love how they were able to put a message in it and even with the end of the movie it doesn't end comedically it ends with the message they were trying to send throughout the entire thing you know
0: um that's i I, that's like what i really enjoyed about this movie is that the message that they get is never really muddled Mm. even by the comedy yeah and like I love that Nicholas uh, Nicolas Cage in that scene where he's like being all stressed out by everything. Mm. I love that even in the comedic moments, there's a consequence of his actions. Yeah. And you can see that by, by the time that the fucking shitty husband for Dot uh, was like suggesting that they swing, that they swap wives. <laughs> that and he was just hilarious. fucking clocks him in the nose. Yeah. It's like the fuck away from my yeah. wife.
1: <laughs> What are you getting at? What do you mean we're getting at? I'm talking about fucking. We swingers, you know? Have some fun. Loosen up.
0: (laughs) And then he lost his job. Mm -hmm. And then, like, that's really the... Like, that's one of the catalysts for the third act. Mm Because now everybody... After that moment, he's like dealing with the stress that he kidnapped the baby, and then this guy comes on, and then he goes like, "Well, we need we that baby's gonna be ours because mm-hmm. otherwise we'll tell everybody that you kidnapped them, yada yada yada." Yeah. And then the fucking guys come on and they kidnap the baby.
1: And, and and how how far did he think this one out? Like you stole that baby, now give him to us or we'll right. tell. So what do you think is gonna happen after I, we give you the baby?
0: Okay. We'll we- just. Tell him till? that you took the baby. Yeah, like, what, what do you think is going to happen after that?
1: You're like, what? You didn't think this went all the way out,
0: chief? Fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's the. I love that everybody's an idiot in yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, I I really. So, everything that I love about this movie comes really from the camera style mm-hmm. and the way that they shot it. Mm-hmm. Because they're really. The, the Cohen brothers have been known to use wides a lot, they usually shot, shoot singles in 24 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, they used the wide that's more similar to what Sam Raimi used in the original Evil Dead mm. um, for the creatures walking on the ground to get to the cabin. Yeah. And or the demons or anything like that, which is like in, in the Evil Dead, mm. it was used for an, like a campy horror. Yeah. Uh, but in this one, it's used to slapstick effect.
1: Uh, like um the one where they're going all the way through the yard and then over the little pond thing Mm -hmm. or the bird bath and then up the ladder into the room where the um the woman who's lost her kid and just screaming like yeah
0: yeah and that's such that's just a simple effect to use the way that sam raimi did it literally put the camera on a skateboard uh yeah that's the way sam raimi originally did it i'm sure the cohen brothers had a more elaborate so they would have had to oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um but it's such a simple effect and it can do so much when you come when you like combine it with like your sound design Mm -hmm. and then like all of, and your backdrop and everything, like you can really get an amazing cartoony effect. You can get a campy horror effect. Mm -hmm. And I think that the Coen brothers really nailed the way that they used their wides Mm -hmm. um, because they exaggerated everything that was present in the foreground. And then, but things that were moving from background to foreground have this presence to them because they go from taking none of the screen to taking all of the screen in very quick succession. And it just really puts in a, like an authority on that character and what's happening on screen mm-hmm. that would otherwise not be possible with like a normal lens. Yeah. Uh, or it would compress the background too much and yada, yada, yada. So like, I really do think that the Coen brothers cinematographically, cinematographically mm-hmm. nailed the shit out of yes. this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so
1: good. Yeah. I mean, they executed, I mean, 10 on 10 on execution. Mm-hmm. I mean, in dialogue, that was something I really liked from, from <laughs> like them too. Public, yeah. Something I've always liked from the Coen brothers, but... Um, it was, so one time he, he goes in and he was like uh, he's like hey I'm in here on my knees Ed a free man proposing How'd howdy Kurt <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he walks in talking about I'm here on my knees or um, another line where, not um, kneeling not kneeling at all <laughs> you know or uh, when Ed is like uh, oh and the Ed thing with um, Ed they, uh, they end up having uh, Arizona Junior mm-hmm. and then they still name the kid Ed Junior and it's just like the whole patriarch thing to where it's like a man and he has a kid and he can name that kid a junior but like women don't have like the same you know benefit of being able to do that right. and I love that even though they had a boy and it was like oh you're named after your mother you're a junior. I right. love that. That know? is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Even though it's like comical I, like, I love how they did that in there but she's like uh, my fiance left me and um, and H.I. he's like that summer a bitch you tell him I think he's a damn fool eh? you tell him I said so H.I. McDonough if he wants to discuss it he knows where to find me in the Mariposa County maximum security correctional facility for men State Farm road number 33 Tempe Arizona I'll be waiting I'll be waiting. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, if this man wants to come see me, yeah. he knows where I'll be at in, in prison. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, that's laughs> so he can you find me right here. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't have a choice. <laughs> no, no, I have
1: no choices where I will be.
0: Big man. <laughs> but, but like what I really, love, even the details in that, like he knows the full address yeah. of the place. Yeah. He's been there a while. This yeah. one he has been there three times. Mm-hmm. Uh so like th- that's really where like a lot of the comedy from the con Brothers come from. It's from like the tiny nuances of vocabulary Mm. or the tiny nuances of like what a character does. Yeah. Um, Like for when John Goodman and the other guy are sitting in uh, High's couch Mm. and they go like, we have released ourselves from the institution. (laughs) And the other guy goes... Uh, what my friend Evel here is trying to say is that we felt like that institution had nothing else to offer us
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love that in the dialogue and when uh, when this movie first came out uh, Ebert um Sister and Ebert or Robert, Roger Ebert he rated this a one out of four
0: yeah, it's like one point five, 1. Right 5 now. out of four.
1: Yeah. yeah, and a lot of it was because of dialogue and unrealistic dialogue coming from a, lo- a lifelong criminal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't understand that that juxtaposition is what's making this comedy funny. funny. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know? that juxtaposition, and also like the idea that educated people are idiots, mm-hmm. and then non what's apparently non-educated mm-hmm. people are the smart ones in this mm-hmm. thing, or like or like the idea that you say something, you say the same thing. Mm-hmm. With different dip- dialogue. yeah, and that's the thing that's been consistent throughout the Coen Brothers movies. Sure like is. Their characters are wordy. The characters say long sentences yeah. because it, it's it's funny to restate the obvious mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't make it look that obvious. Very much, and like I absolutely fucking love that yeah. about the Coen Brothers.
1: Oh yeah. There was there's a line uh, as well. Evil, the guy that's beside uh, John Goodman, his Mm -hmm. friend. He was like, "Hey, child, you you're young and you got your health. What you want with the job?" (laughs) (laughs) It was like, "What the hell?" Like just his thinking and that trying to get away from his friends. And like I said, the uh, the personification of his past coming back to Hanum was kind of two pronged. You have John Goodman and his friend that he's known in jail for the longest, Mm -hmm. and he also have the um, the Mad Max guy who's been haunting his dreams and just coming back to Hanum. And him finally extinguishing that guy while well, blowing him to smithereens with a damn grenade, yep. <laughs> getting rid of him. And now he's not having these nightmarish dreams. He's having dreams of a family and him and his wife that, you know, have this large family at a Thanksgiving dinner and everyone's smiling and happy. Mm-hmm. He's not tormented in his dreams any longer after he was able to extinguish, you know, that past. His past, yeah. yeah.
0: And the fact that, it, and like, so that's a, that's actually because the ending of the movie has something to do when they bring back the baby originally mm. to Arizona whose real name is not Arizona, Um, they bring him back and they have this conversation where it's just like, well, we thought we were infertile too and then we had quintuplets. Mm -hmm. And so like they leave with that and then there's a nice voiceover narration that said, and then we went home that day and things were better Mm -hmm. and then yada yada, we ended up having several kids and we had one of the biggest families that one can think of. And the last shot of the movie is them holding hands across a big Thanksgiving family dinner. Uh, And he said something about like, maybe this happens in Arizona, maybe this happens in Philly, whatever, maybe it's Utah, who the Mm. fuck cares, but it happens. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that that was like a really sweet way to finish a movie that has such dramatic um action sequences Mm -hmm. and slapstick sequences in it too just like a very nice like like just fucking cherry on top of it in terms of structure and i absolutely loved it
1: yeah Yeah. i mean as far as how they delivered it Mm because they they had a a message that they wanted to get across in the movie and the comedy was just a vehicle to kind of deliver that and they didn't let the comedy muddy that up you know to the point to where where you got to the end there was still on brand with what their message was and not just trying to be for the sake of being funny right you know and uh, that's a just classic mark of classic directors i mean that's i love what they did here as far as execution now what i was saying earlier as far as the comedy not falling on me it didn't fall on me a lot you know this there's some of the stuff i can see how it can be funny and you can laugh at it but the jokes didn't hit me but the way they executed the jokes i've got to take my hat off to that (laughs) you know
0: that's also a lot of how i felt about this movie like a lot of the comedy was just kind of like that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just love the way that they did it. It's yeah. like, you, if, you, if you tell a joke mm. cinematographically and the joke doesn't land, mm. but the person can tell that that was a joke that you purposely intended to do, yep. Uh, then it's a good setup and a good punchline. The humor just wasn't for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's
0: not a matter of like, it's a bad joke. Yeah. I just don't like the joke.
1: Yeah. There was a one that uh, Leonard said, the, uh, the biker, he was like, a name Smalls, Leonard Smalls. My friends call me Lenny, only I ain't got no friends.
0: Like, All right. Thanks, Leonard, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> that was a character that I found really interesting mm-hmm. um, because he felt such out of place the first time he showed up. Yeah. Like, right after the kidnapped the baby, mm-hmm. he's having this dream and it's like doing this whole monologue, yes. voiceover. Yep, whole montage we of them, this, too, yeah. yeah. We see this guy, like, fucking throwing grenades at bunnies yep. and, like looking at cops and setting flowers on and fire and as he drops by <laughs> no reason <laughs> Yep. which is I thought was like just an, on connect, a connection that I had Nicolas Cage ended up playing Ghost Rider
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, way later in his life Yeah. and this guy was just kind of like just looked like a Ghost Rider type yeah. character yeah. and she's like oh that's kind of accidentally cool Yeah. Um, but I love I love this character because he's shows up out of nowhere mm. really with no indication of what he is no explanation of nope. what he is Mm-mm. And with the supernatural palette of abilities mm-hmm. that are, like, really bizarre to yeah. include, I mean, but fit so well in the slaps
1: He's able to jump, like, hundreds of miles in one <laughs> in a single willy. <laughs> Did you see the editing shot of him doing the willy up the hill, then landing, like, 100 miles further up the road? <laughs> landing in a completely different scene. <laughs> yep. He's just fucking dusted in the desert lands in the city, yeah. <laughs> like, well, that has some damn magical, <laughs> mythical powers right there, bro. He catches a fly with like the tip of his fingers, yeah. I love that writing in that scene, mm. too, because he's like, Uh, you got you got flies in here, it's like not likely this place is like closed and well ventilated, something like That's that. It's climate just, controlled, yeah, climate controls, like just so there's no flies in here. Then later, later in the scene, he catches a fly directly in, in front of his face, mm. and another from what you're calling the corn brothers, that close up for, for the comedy, mm-hmm. just shows. That that fly just buzzing around in his fingers, <laughs> or or another close up that I really like was um when the the uh, this chase sequence when he tries to rob the convenience store and then he's running all around everywhere. Then he finally goes into a grocery store and tries to get some more Huggies. And then there's a there's a guy working there with a shotgun <laughs> shoots it. Then we get a close up of the, uh, the the barrels of him about to load the, mm-hmm. the, the shells again. I'm like I just love you guys. This close up like the smoke coming out of it they just do. like yep.
0: They're beautiful close ups, mm-hmm. but they don't use them a lot. They no. use them when they matter. Yep. Which makes them effective. Oh, yeah. And so, like, it gives you, like, the information that you need. Yep. They're just not gratuitous. No. That chasing where he, like, robs that grocery store um, is one of my favorite <laughs> in the funny. movie. Because yeah. he goes, uh, this elaborate setup plan. Ed's driving away because she pissed that he's trying to rob a grocery store. Yeah. He's just trying to get Huggies the entire fucking time. Yeah. And then the cops are just idiots. Like, it's a, just a Bugs Bunny <laughs> chase sequence. Like, yeah. they just can't yeah. get him. They're missing. People are falling over dogs. It's it's the whole Looney Tunes (laughs) thing.
1: Like, he jumps over a fence, and sure enough, there's a dog in there with a chain just long enough to stop just in front of your face. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: literally out of, like, a Looney Tunes. Yes. And they do that, and they get to the store, and they're shooting everything but him. Yep. The wife picks him up, and Mm -hmm. he, like, gives her directions just to get the same pack of huggies that he dropped the first time. Just casually grabs him from the car. Yep. Question accomplished, I guess. Yeah,
1: they got it done. You got it done I, 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 I like the um, I really love the um, the transition for um, Ed when um, when the kid is finally stolen mm-hmm. and then he she comes back in the house and the kids are gone and Nicholas Cage is like oh no I'm a changed man now this time we're here I know I said that I was gonna quit hanging out with my friends and I all mm-hmm. said all of that no but this time is serious I'm for real now and he's still not there yet right you know and she's not said anything. She's just there stone yeah. faced, blank faced, dead inside. And then the, the next shot is them inside the car and he's still talking and she still hasn't said anything, mm-hmm. but now she has a police uniform on. <laughs> and she's not you know she's not a police she's officer not anymore. She's fucking around. She's like she's completely dead inside. She's mm-hmm. like I don't I don't care about myself anymore. I don't care about you either, you know. It's the like, only thing I want to do is find my child, and when I do find the child, I don't want to be with you anymore. Right. I don't care about any of that anymore. I just care about this child, you know. So that was her her change. That was her moment, and we see Nicholas Cage trying, believe, thinking that he's ready for it, but still not until he's able to completely get rid of that thing that's coming back to haunt him in his past, right. which is you know the two guys in Leonard. Um, yeah, and Leonard. Yeah. In, in Leonard, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean. I, I love that sequencing. Yeah. I really and also
0: it. that shot um, of like when they get into the house and after the fight with John Goodman and mm. whatever, it's just such a fucking hilarious. That's so fight. silly. It's just like legit. Like even the sound design was like cartoony.
1: Yeah. He um, threw him through the wall into the bathroom. <laughs>
0: you know, he threw him through the damn wall into the bathroom. bathroom. He sure fucking did. Mm. Uh, and after that, and then Nicholas Cage is like going on the speech which is like i'm a changed man i swear yep. i'm gonna go get that child he's doing this thing with the gun
1: yeah
0: uh, and like he keeps walking in and out of the frame yep. where he's like having this ransom, picking up the bullets yep. but the choice to like hold that frame
1: yeah and have him walk in and out and yeah. have
0: him walk in and out is really really fun because the thing that matters is that he's trying to convince um what the ed. fuck's her name ed mm-hmm. uh, of what he's gonna do yeah and just like seeing her dead cold matter. reaction
1: yeah words could've, don't matter to her no more
0: could have been so three, seven cuts, but just holding into that shot.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, fucking great directing choice.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, but yeah, I, the, the really amazing thing about this film is the thematics, how they hold up, mm. and the cinematography. I think those are the, two, really the yeah. two things that really stand out for me yeah. in this movie. Even though I didn't particularly love the movie a lot. Mm. Um, but those things are really, really well executed.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can see where their comedy style, where when you find, when you see uh, The Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. you can see how this kind of set up where they were going for, where the comedy was delivered in a way that executed perfectly and just generally very funny. Yeah. I feel uh, Raising Arizona has that cult following to where the people that it is funny for is very funny for them. Right. But um, you can see their style graduated to a, a point to where the Big Lebowski still isn't for everyone, but it's for a larger portion of people than yeah. Raising Arizona. It's a would more be for mature
0: it. version of the comedy in Raising mm-hmm. Arizona. Yep. Um, without like the slapstick sound, of sound and the slapstick cinematography, but still the same physicality of mm-hmm. comedy yeah. and all of that, and yeah. even the weird abstract sequences, like yeah. the man in the mirror sequence versus the this guy fucking Leonard writing sequence yeah. in the dreams. Yeah. Um, I think this is a this is a fine example. Of early Cohen brothers, yeah, I think, and yeah. it, sh- it should be looked at not as like one other bad films, no. but like as the first step in what became the Cohen brothers that we love, yeah, and I-, I feel like that's as valid as a like as a filmmaker, that's as valid knowledge as it is by watching the things that became really massive, yeah so you can learn about this movie as much as you can learn by watching The Big
1: Lebowski there's and that's the thing with um, they have a thing in the rap community but like mm-hmm. I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper <laughs> you know and was like why is that like I don't like you at all why does my favorite rapper like you you know what, <laughs> right, what yeah. is it that they deem from you and uh, Edgar Wright um, I just got put onto him maybe four or five years ago from mm-hmm. well three four years ago from you from the pod and
0: was we, it was it uh, Shaun of the Dead the first movie that I recommended you
1: I've seen that movie before but mm-hmm. I didn't know of Edgar Wright you right. know and him just as a name but um, as just investigating Edgar Wright. Over over the years, and then seeing that um, this the Corn Brothers is are one of his favorite directors, and the, Raising Arizona is one of his favorite movies ever. I'm like, my favorite director's favorite director is these guys, and this movie. I'm like, why? But then you can understand why. Like the way that they directed this comedy and the cinematography in it is just mm-hmm. like, okay, I understand why one of my favorites loves this so much. Right, and it's the idea of like visual
0: comedy, mm-hmm. like com- like American comedy tends to be very stale. Yeah, and just like you said, you set the camera and then you let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the Brothers have a way to visual comedy where like the camera itself is part of the punchline. Yep. It's part of the joke. Like yeah. you have to be watching the shot to get why that scene is funny. Yeah. And uh, not a lot of comedic directors do that. Mm. Not a lot of dramatic directors know when to include their camera and their comedic m- relief. Yeah. And the Coen Brothers do all of that in one setting. Sure do. And it's fucking awesome. Oh yeah. And I love that Edgar Wright loves them as much as I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're great. Yeah. yeah. Um, what would you What would you grade?
1: Um, probably my lowest for a Coen Brothers movie, but a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna go for a seven too. Yeah. I think I think it's a perfectly fine movie. Yeah. It's not one of the best. No. Well, yeah. uh, but if you en- if you enjoy this kind of humor, then you're gonna fucking love it because yeah. it's really well executed. Um the humor was generally just not for me, Mm. but the cinematography, the dialogue, and the the acting is amazing. Yeah. And not to mention that like the Coen brothers, I think, really took advantage of how Nicolas Cage can be on camera. Yeah. Um, because if you if you're a director, and I've said this before, the same exact thing. If you're a director and you don't know how to use Nicolas Cage's ability to be fucking insane, it's a shame. Then you fucked up your entire movie. Yeah. Because you need that in there. Like that's part of his like, Jenna as an actor. Yeah. Um, but if you know how to use him and you know when to take advantage of his like frantic acting and his ability to get mad and rage Mm -hmm. and go crazy. Yeah you fucking got a legend in your hands that you can use and it. will make a fucking great film.
1: I mean, it's similar to, um, to utilizing someone like a Christopher Walken. Right, yeah. it's like, like, can you rein it in to just get enough of it? And the Corn <laughs> Brothers reined in like the Nicolas Cage just enough. And he just wasn't like spilling over the top with crazy right. Nicolas Cage stuff. It was just enough.
0: It was just enough. And like my favorite example of that is just like his, his character design is crazy. Yeah. Hawaiian shirt, hair yep. all over the place. But after they sealed the show, he just goes like, well, honey, God damn it, we got ourselves a family. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> yeah. It's just like fucking perfect. Like yeah. that's the Nicolas Cage silly that you needed for this movie. Yeah. I can't imagine another actor doing as good a job as Nicolas Cage did as this character. No, I, no. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, 7 out of 10 for me. Same. Perfectly fine movie. One of the like earliest Coen Brothers mm-hmm. work, but yeah. you can still learn something really, oh, yes. really meaningful from it yeah. just by looking at the way they use the
1: camera. Definitely can.
0: Um, so, yeah, perfectly fine film. Hey, hey. Um, we're going to cut, and then we're going to talk about television and movie premieres. And welcome back. Television and movie premieres.
1: All right. Uh, this weekend, television and movie premieres starting Tuesday, January the 22nd through Monday, January the 28th. Uh, the first thing is going to be Thursday, January the 24th, Broad City. Broad City is going to be coming back. Oh, on, fuck. I love Broad City. Hell yeah, man. Is this final season? I didn't say it was final season, but okay. it has to be winding down, I would assume.
0: Yeah, I thought they were they were winding down to end like two years ago. I thought so too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're back on uh, Comedy Central. It's going to be this Thursday at 10 p.m. Definitely check out Broad City. That's really good. Yeah, I love that show. Um, Produced by um Amy Poehler. That's the Amy Poehler. Show. Oh
0: fuck! That's right. That is yeah. Amy Poehler. Mm-hmm. Amy Poehler is fucking funny.
1: And then one of Amy Poehler's best friends, um, supposedly in the media, mm-hmm. uh, Tina Fey, her <laughs> um, her show that she's created, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, comes back Friday, January the twenty fifth. Interesting. I didn't
0: yeah. know. I for, I generally didn't know that was Tina. Oh yeah, yeah. And Tina then. Fey.
1: Um, after she did Thirty rocks, she's trying to move on to something else and did Kimmy Schmidt. But this is the final season. It's um, six episodes and it's airing Friday, January twenty fifth, and that's yeah. it. Oh
0: yeah. yeah. Shout out to Amy Polar and Tina Fey for being one of the most hilarious duo
1: yeah mm. you know I've always wanted and hopefully I can put this out in the atmosphere mm-hmm. that I've always wanted a I love Lucy movie but like not like a um, like a biopic documentary where you're just following and giving me all the real information mm-hmm. I want a movie like it was the show. You know, it's just like how Lucy and the, all the hijinks. Yeah. But I want this this pairing. How you have Lucy and Ethel. This is one of my favorite shows of all time, right. I love Lucy*. But I have Lucy and Ethel. But instead, it's Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, Tina Fey. playing those because they have so many movies where they've done these movies together, but they haven't done the Lucy and Ethel thing. And I just want to see. <laughs> just want to you know, see that happen. I want to see Amy Poehler play Lucy and um, and Tina play play Ethel, and them just go into all the just random shenanigans <laughs> that they would get into as, as these characters.
0: That's awesome. You know, I I saw, that. I, I, saw that I read an interview. that that while they love working together, mm. they can headline the same show because they're both control freaks. Like they both that. acknowledge that in mm. themselves. Yeah. So they're like they tend to butt heads mm. when they're working together in that capacity. Yeah. So it's why we'll probably never see an Amy or Tina F thing. And
1: I'll, I'll bet you neither one of them is not going to want to be Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 wants to be Lucy? But uh, that's uh, the uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Friday January twenty fifth last season. And um, the last show we got coming out, Saturday, January the 26th, is Slender Man Stabbing, the untold story. (sighs) All
0: right, listen, listen. Before I go off on one of my fun rants, Mm -hmm. just tell me what this is about. No, no idea. This is the the
1: untold story of Slender Man Stabbing. Okay, I know exactly what this is
0: about then. Yeah. The fucking Slender Man... uh, movie came out yep. recently right yes. so the name is so like out in the public oh, before yeah. that movie mm-hmm. a year before that movie we had the case mm-hmm. where the two girls stopped a friend mm-hmm. or the one girl stabbed a friend mm-hmm. to sacrifice him to slender man yes so that slender man would let them into their whatever bullshit fucking castle yep. thing and then the movie came out yeah and the movie was hot garbage mm-hmm. But then now every now it's a pop culture thing. Yes, it started in the internet, Mm -hmm. but now it's big. Yes, now we got a fucking case attached to it. It's not gonna
1: go away. It's not going away. It's not. It's not gonna go away. I have an eleven-year-old little girl. She loves this bullshit. (laughs) You know, she loves it. And I was like, I've I've seen the Slenderman stuff. I seen the movie. I thought it was hot garbage. Yeah. You know, but they they have a demographic, and eventually their their demographic will grow out of it. One day. (laughs) What's fucked up?
0: What's fucked up about the Slenderman thing? I was their demographic when it happened. Yeah. When it happened, I was a demographic. It should have died with me. It should have. It should have died (laughs) the moment I turned 21 years old. Yeah. That's when it should have fucking died. Keep it
1: going. But no,
0: it's on the internet. Mm. People saw the creepy pictures. Yep. Let's take advantage of the tall, skinny thing
1: in a suit yeah.
0: and scare fucking twelve-year-olds. I love it. I get to scare it's my daughter like,
1: every time we go to the park. They're like, <laughs> "Slenderman, you see the, the bushes over the rustling? That's Slenderman coming out of those bushes." It's a new
0: boogeyman, yes. and it's not even as fun as the goddamn boogeyman. He's, not. he's, he's not a great all. value boogeyman. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. He didn't kidnap kids. Nope. He just fucking sat around and watch you and now we have this motherfucker mm-hmm. taking kids yeah. from bushes to sacrifice them in the woods yeah. and now because of that fucking thing
1: great value, one girl man. almost
0: died <laughs> and then because one girl almost died we have a team of fucking documentarians oh, yeah. going like we'll just make a documentary about that mm-hmm. and then we'll make a shitload of money I we'll put it in netflix they will fuck you
1: they will fuck you
0: <laughs> all right
1: look, fuck look you. Doing. they haven't made it to netflix yet they're on reels yeah. but um they oh, will on reels yeah, yeah. I mean it, they're eventually going to. I mean, it's no. just like there's it's too much momentum. Too much there's time. too much momentum. They're eventually gonna get there and I'll talk we'll talk to you about it when it gets there. Th- this is one <laughs> of those
0: things, and, and I'm fucking I've been having this like thing where things just cannot die. Mm. Things just don't die anymore. No. And it happens in television, it happens in franchises, yep. fucking Avengers Infinity Wars Endgame, that I want that to be it. Yeah. I want that to be it. Mm. It's not going to. No. It's not going to oh, be. No, no. I just just let it let <laughs> things die. Mm. Like, just pull the plug on a couple of things. Start over in 10 years. Just start over. Don't the, continue it.
1: The bad thing is, like, we are 10 years now on a lot yeah. of stuff to where there's like, oh, Ghostbusters. Let's, you know they're bringing up new Ghostbusters? Yep. Yep, new no. Ghostbusters. Not, Let it die. Yeah, they're not going to do it. They're gonna it be like, die. Ghostbusters 3, here we go. You're no. come, coming to America 20 years ago. Oh, let's, let's do another one, Eddie Murphy. Coming to America. Like, they are waiting the 10 years, but it's just like, 10 years ain't enough. No. It's not, no. Enough. it's not enough. It's not
0: enough. It has to be like 50. Before you reboot something that was like a huge classic... They got up 30. Give, give me 20 30. Or 30. Yeah. Because, uh, like,
1: a Star is Born, like, they had the Barbra Streisand, I think, one, like, mm-hmm. 30, 30 years ago. I hadn't seen the original Star is yeah, Born. No, no, no. So I was like, okay, I had never even heard of it. Mm-hmm. So give me, give me 30 years. Right. Give me 30.
0: And it's a new retelling of a story. Yeah. If you're waiting 10 years, mm-hmm. like the Ghostbusters, you know what I want mm-hmm. from the next Ghostbuster movie? What? I want this next Ghostbuster movie. To fight the ghost of the original Ghostbusters. And then maybe, maybe there'd be some comedy in it. They, they maybe already it'll got be something ghost. exciting. What? They already got them. No, no, no. no. Like, like, like not, not the ghost from the movie. Okay. Like the original cast as ghosts oh, in the new Ghostbusters shit. movie. That would be fucking awesome. And I know one of them is dead now, so it can't have, happen.
1: Have Bill Murray as a ghost? Yeah. Like. Oh, yeah. Dude. Rick Moranis as a ghost? Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude. dude. That fucking would be comedy. Nice. I would fucking like that. comedy. Yeah, and then just
0: the one that died, just say that he like was sent to hell instead, or went to heaven. I mean, or something like that. Why can't
1: they just put him in a movie anyway? Well, just see, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, ah, like mean, she's, she's been doing movies for like the past two or three years. That's 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 fucking true. Yeah, I think that's she has another true. movie coming out. In the, <laughs> seriously, so let people die. <laughs> they, won't, they won't let the people God, die. <laughs> they won't let the movies die. Like nothing will die. In Hollywood. Jesus, <laughs> nothing is Christ. Dead.
0: Yep. Fucking Hollywood is <laughs> just another excuse for necromancy. <laughs> yeah. You can fucking quote me on that Broner or Cheetah, 2019 fuck you let things die
1: oh my goodness anyway yeah but that's it for television man <laughs> that's it for television there's only one movie coming out that's uh of note it's called um no this movie came out last week this is yeah, the same thing last week. Serenity. serenity yeah there's yeah. nothing of note coming out this week really no, of
0: Dang. note no that's a fucking
1: bummer yeah. for hollywood <laughs> I mean, no, there's movies coming out, but yeah, like there's but nothing. No, yeah.
0: yeah. Happy Death Day too. That's the thing that's happening. Did you see Happy Death Day? No. Did you remember that? It's like the lady that kept dying, and then the day kept resetting, and then she just like learned the loop to like get away from the killer that was hunting her. Huh. Um, all right, so that was a, that was like a good one-time-off movie, right? Okay. Movie came out. Google Happy Death Day. Movie yeah. came out. It did alright. You know, it didn't do badly. It was fine. That's really a one-off concept. It's like a okay? Groundhog
1: Day movie type of
0: thing. Yeah, but it's like a horror-inspired one where yeah. like she's getting hunted by the same killer every day, mm-hmm. and then every time she dies, it resets the loop, and oh. she has to escape the loop.
1: It's the um, it's that uh, Tom Cruise movie, uh, Live Die Repeat. Uh,
0: yes, okay. uh, I prefer the name Edge of Tomorrow. I fucking mm-hmm. hate that they renamed it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's that premise, but yeah. in a horror concept. Yeah. It's like fun enough as a horror concept. The fucking second movies coming out, and uh. like they they. It's just the same loop. Like she's in the same loop after having escaped. Yeah. What
1: just put just her back in it, the same loop? Just again? let it
0: happen. Just let it you had a you had a one you had a one thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Just enjoy that one thing and yeah. come up with a new concept. Yeah. Come up with a new thing.
1: Then see at that point they're no longer even trying to be creative. They just right. want that money. Yeah. I mean, same thing with like Final Destination. It's like, okay, that was a cool premise. You know it eight more times. Let's do it eight, for, eight, more, times. Of, do it eight <laughs> more times. I'm not gonna get more creative or anything. No. Same premise. Death comes back and gets you in order. No. Like I got your creative idea the first time, which I thought was a cool creative idea, regardless mm-hmm. of what I thought about the movie being good or bad. Very good creative idea. Right. But you didn't expound on that at all, you know, no. artistically. So
0: But the the fun thing about the Final Destination movies and why I think they somewhat work mm-hmm. is that at, at, after the second movie, you're just in it to see people die and in interesting that's, ways. All is, yeah. that's all it is. That's all it is. And like, that's a vehicle for that. It's okay. It's not. It's not high end cinema. But mm. if you enjoy it, enjoy it. I don't want ten
1: movies. Yeah. I don't right. want ten. Of I don't anything. want ten movie.
0: Yeah. But what I did like about Final Destination is that the last movie mm. is a is connected to the first movie so the last movie is a, is essentially like the ending of the last movie is the beginning of the first movie okay that's kind of a cool touch give us like, two movies i enjoy that yeah
1: <laughs> but we don't need 10 no we don't need 10 you could have gave me that no. first one and no. gave me that last one but if you're not exploring anything creatively then i can do without it
0: yeah same i, yeah. I totally agree i'm just uh, i'm still mad about the slender man thing oh yeah <laughs> fucking slender man ass yeah man anyway um anything else you got on your mind nah yeah i think uh I think I'm all out of rage too. Right. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the spiel. You can find us on Twitter at underscore FFS podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the FFS podcast. You can find us on Google Play Music app, uh, iTunes podcast app, and Stitcher under the name for film's sake. My personal Twitter handle is at Brian Cheetah.
1: I'm at T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z.
0: Hey. hey, and that's it for today's episode. We will see you next week. And uh, hope, hope you enjoyed the recapturing of our conversations
1: that <laughs> <laughs> we lost earlier. So how we got through it. I wish I could hear that first recording and yeah. play it at the same time as the second one and see, like, how they link up. Like, they probably sync. <laughs> <That'd be interesting. laughs>
0: <laughs> the second recording was, like, half the length of the first one. Mm-hmm. Just, like, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. man. Right. Anyway. Uh, sure. Wait.